Hello, welcome to the I Get Buggets podcast. I am your host as always. My name is Simon Harricks and I'm super excited to be back here. It's been a long time since we've dipped our toes into the podcast to take talk basketball, but I'm excited. I'm hyped today watching three playoff games, um, but... What I want to talk about is fantasy basketball. We went straight into playing and back into the playoffs now, but we haven't had a time to kind of reset the league and talk about all things fantasy and congratulate all of our fantasy champion winners out there. So we're going to take some time and dive in deep over a few series of podcasts, talk all the players, how they went, what were the best draft picks, where the leagues were won, and all the good things that come with fantasy basketball. So we're going to go really deep into the I Get Buckets League and how that kind of went. So it's going to be very focused for for the coaches and everything through that, but it's still going to be quite interesting, I think, if you're a fantasy manager out there and to get some perspective and look into next year, which I know a lot of the coaches who didn't quite get over the line this season are already looking forward to, especially if we get back on track with next season starting in your usual late October kind of time frame. It's not too far away, guys. It's already time to start watching playoffs. This is where we get some of the insights going into next year. So time to get locked in. I think what we're going to do is see how we go. I always try to to mash more information and stuff into the podcasts, but um, I usually talk a little bit too much. I'm trying to to pack in a couple of teams um, each pod, but we'll see how we go. We're going to go from the bottom of our league up, and I'm going to try and go through the first two teams, which would have been the last two teams in our league, um, and see how they went into all, the, all things about their draft and the players and, and what went wrong, basically. All right, you ready? We're going to go through straight into it. But the first mistake for, for the team that went bottom here was not changing their name next year. So the Dame of Thrones on notice already. Um, it's about time. Let's do it. Pick number three, I think they went with Anthony Davis this year. It's a hard one. I think Anthony Davis was almost a unanimous pick three. I can't really say anything critical about it. Um, he was hurt. Things suck. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see if he, if he falls too far next year. I think, obviously, uh, Jokic is going to be pushing all the way up to, to your number two or even your number one um, pick next year, potentially. So he might be off a little bit. Um, I think the injury has scared some people off him. Um, but, you know, historically, the past couple of years hasn't been too bad. It was just unfortunate this season that um, he missed a few games at the, the wrong time. But, I mean, as far as a, a fantasy player goes, pick three, uh, Anthony Davis, that's not where... Um, his team kind of derailed this year. There's no problem with that. He averaged 26.4 fantasy points in our league. But when you kind of put that in perspective on the other uh, teams, what you want is really um, upwards of of 30 there. So overall, I I, I can't be too critical of the pick. I would have picked him at three as well. But obviously with the output this year, the Lakers and how they went and kind of things falling apart, it didn't really do any favors to... To, to coach here and any coach in the league who picked Anthony Davis. He just he didn't play up to expectations this year. And when you've got, you know, other players, especially the second pick that he took, uh, Bradley Beal all the way back, averaged more than Anthony Davis. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of a good thing for Bradley Beal. But I mean, if you, if you thought picking Anthony Davis and Bradley Beal in your first two picks that Beal was the better fantasy player, probably spelt a little bit danger there. But... Um, 
I guess the waiting all the way for 18 with the next pick was the sake draft. Bradley Beer was absolutely fantastic, 27.7 fantasy point average. Obviously, felt just short of a scoring title to Stephen Curry. Um, fantastic pick, and definitely not where things went wrong for coach here. We can see that Bradley Beal actually finished 23rd overall in the league in compared to, to best averages. Um, and then Anthony Davis is actually 25. So overall, when you, you, you're picking your first two-round picks in, in 3 and 18, for them to not perform to expectations really kind of sets you back automatically. So um, I think around the consensus, and we'll kind of talk into it, is, is Coach here drafted... Relatively, you know, well as a as a core when you look at um, how many uh, free agency picks you kind of dropped and made, but I think it's almost a double edged sword when you look at how many changes they made to the team. Is it that they drafted so well and um, things were you know good enough that they didn't have to you know fix up holes? Where we'll talk about a few other teams as we go through this series about people kind of chasing their tail, uh, trying to to fix up holes in their draft through free agency, whereas. You know, coach who finished bottom here didn't have to do that, but it was almost a thing where they weren't active enough, I would say, on the free agent um, waiver wire to kind of pick up um, different players and be more active. I think three changes overall for the whole season is what we um, saw from Coach Walsh down here at the bottom. Um, and I think if you want to be really competing for the top, it, it, it kind of speaks a little bit to, to how engaged you are with the league and and picking up and dropping, and um, I can see, you know, obviously, and we'll go into it, the team kind of fell into a little bit of hole with with too many injuries and and people being rested, Um, and I guess not being able to overcome a a hole of, you know, about five losses in a row in the middle of the season, everything kind of derailed, but, um, you know, if you look back at the, the three changes that were made, Juan Toscano Anderson um, was handy for a little bit, but he ended up being dropped in, and Zubak and, and Brunson were the only other two changes to, to the team from, from the draft to the end. And um, we'll go through them, but as you kind of go down the list, I guess a lot of players that you know are averaging your you know 14 to 16, 17 mark, you know, they're good enough not to be dropped, but you need to be a little bit more active, I think, to, to see what you can kind of get to, to average a little bit more of that. And um, I'm kind of talking about guys like Boyan, uh, Bogdanovich, um, even, you know, Jalen Brunson and Zubak came into the, the team. But um, Larry Nance Jr., I know he was hurt. Norman Powell had flashes. It's just, it, it, it's hard when you kind of get stuck with these middling players that you can't find better value to, but when you kind of finish at the bottom of the ladder with a, a three-win, 14 record, and you see you've got three changes, uh, the big thing that screams out to me is like, oh, what could we have done to, to kind of at least try a few different things to, to get a few wins? But yeah, it, it does make it hard when, when some of your players, are even like Buddy Heald averaging 16.7, you're not in a place to, to, to really drop him, but it makes it hard when you see these free agency picks, especially some of the guys who went early um, off the waiver wire, you know, guys like Terry Rogier and a few others kind of f- flying past you um, with someone that you invested, you know, a middle round pick. So, you know, guys who, who were hot off the waiver wire, I think like uh, DeAndre Hunter and uh, Keldon Johnson and a few other guys kind of come to mind. But yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a, a few of the thoughts. Obviously, 
And as I kind of go through this series, I'll try to remember some of the things that I said from my draft recaps, um, but I won't be able to remember everything. But I do, I, I, I will be able to, to remember some of the ones where I kind of went in a little bit hard. And I know two of the, the next picks for, for Washi, I was a little bit uh, curious on and across all fantasy leagues, people would have really had um, concerns drafting Andre Drummond, I think, at the start, or some people would have been really excited to see how, how late he fell. And I guess we did get that boost early from, from Andre Drummond owners knowing that you know they, they got real bankable fantasy stats, but it was almost inevitable it felt from the start that you know he wouldn't be in a position to finish the season with Cleveland and it almost became a worst case scenario where he wasn't with the team and you were just copying zeros and you had to kind of put him on your, your IR if you needed and as I kind of go into his next pick, it was D'Angelo Russell and then with Drummond sitting, Russell hurt, Anthony Davis hurt all at the same time. It really ended up in a situation where coach was copying zeros and had no real fix to it without probably dropping Russell would have been the big one for me. And, you know, when you invest your fourth pick, it was in, in 38th overall um, on a player that you got to drop, it, it, it does kind of um, make things hard to back, back from there. And you, you don't want to be gifting a player of that quality to another coach. But it was almost a back against the wall um, thing there. And when, you know, three of your first four picks aren't playing for you and you've got nowhere else to move, it does make it uh, a little bit um, hard. But I think I said at the time that this was the problem with Andre Drummond. You, you, you couldn't have looked at purely his average from the past few years. It was about surmising what, what the landscape was going to be. Um, and then it kind of, it, it was it was weird because actually the coach in the same team kind of owns Jared Allen and picked it with his eighth, to, um, I guess, pick. But when we saw the, the Cleveland Cavaliers kind of, have the opportunity to grab Jared Allen in, in what was the, the James Harden trade with Houston not really wanting to, to get an asset I think that they had to pay beyond this year and, and really looking at how they're rebuilding around almost nothing <laughs> there and thank you for the pick. It was a decision that they made and when Cleveland kind of topped that up, it really spelt, you know, worst case scenario for, for any fantasy owners of Drummond and then the the season was well and truly over for, for Coach here by the time uh, he was at the Lakers, um, and even then, the, the fantasy production wasn't what it was. D'Angelo Russell, we kind of spoke about. It's just unfortunate. I'm, I'm a big Russell fan and what he brings, but obviously the fantasy output is quite tied to points on Minnesota, Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I mean, the best-case scenario when you drafted him was that this would be okay, and he would be a real kind of um, scoring force. But to pick him at four, I really didn't think the, the ceiling was high enough for, for an investment. And if you take away the injury, an average of 18.2 over the season um, doesn't really put him in the, the same kind of stead as a lot of other players that were picked at the same time. So, you know, it, it pains me to say that a lot of maybe my concerns at the start of the season with D'Angelo Russell um, kind of came true a little bit, even if you don't think about the injury. But the injury was really what um, put a full stop on some of the things that you wanted to, to get if you're picking that high. Um, I mean, at the time, and I, I'll speak about it later when we when we look at, um, I, I guess, what we had with the, the number one overall draft pick in um, Anthony Edwards just kind of taking over 
uh, the the shots and uh, kind of the the alpha dog down the stretch. It was, it was weird when Minnesota started to win games a little bit, and obviously Anthony Edwards was a really hard own to the start of the season. Um, you know, consistently having you know one out of fourteen kind of shooting nights that made him very very hard to own and actually dropped in in our league. But we we, we saw you know, the turning point almost exactly when D'Angelo Russell went out injured that Anthony Edwards kind of led the way a little bit in scoring, even if that's potentially not his destiny in the, in the NBA to be like a leading gunner unless he he tried to, you know, makes improvements. And obviously he's only a rookie this year and there will be the multiple opportunities to, for him to, to build. But um, yeah, he kind of subseded his is a little bit of the fantasy upside to, to Anthony Edwards after he came back from the injury and the the season was kind of almost done so um kind of we'll, we'll go through rapid fire I don't want to spend too much looking just at kind of every player individually like I do with with the recaps it's more of a, a general feel of of the team and how they've kind of gone and where I felt the the failures, I guess, were if you were talking about the bottom teams and where some of the successes were at the top. But as I said, things kind of went into a hole. Chris Paul was was absolutely fantastic this year. Obviously, people were looking at him on an MVP um, voting kind of caliber, an average of twenty three point eight. Now, league it was you know very very healthy, so no problem with that pick. I think Fred Van Vliet at the time was basically taking exactly where I had him in my big board. If, um, you know, obviously you want to kind of take people a little bit later. I think he took him, I wouldn't have taken him any higher than I would have in the sixth round. And I think he performed to a, you know, a sixth round, fifth round level um, as as a really good uh, player there. Dennis Schroeder, you know, there was some concerns with, with how he'd kind of play in LA. I think we saw a lot of those concerns in patches and, um, but, for the most part, I think, you know, he played into his role, right? Average 17. Um, but, you know, when you want to, you know, have a point of difference from other teams, I think, and we'll go through, it really stands out when you can kind of get players from rounds, you know, you're 5 to 10 that can make that leap. And Dennis Schroeder, even though, you know, he was coming off the back of a, you know, second voting in sixth man, um, going to LA didn't seem like, a, a you know, completely ideal fantasy area but I mean I think we saw on debut <laughs> um, watching it I was almost felt like I was swallowing my words uh, immediately in terms of how good he looked in in the opening kind of tip off of the season but we did see over the course of the year you know a very up and down year from Dennis Schroeder which makes him a hard own but again the position where Walsh was where there's no way you can drop you know someone of his caliber because of the upside and you know without any real standout for agents but there's going to be weeks um, where it really punishes you and he might you know, have three games and, and not really make a dint in the scoring and, and really kind of put you behind. Um, but, you know, the next pick, uh, Jared Allen ended up being, you know, one of the best draft picks in the, the whole league, really, you know, averaging 22.9. It actually dipped a little bit towards the back end of the year because he had that up in the high 23s at some stage as a pick 78 was, was absolutely fantastic. I did mention Buddy Heald. He kind of, same, you know, way with with Dennis Schroeder. He's just a bit of a sink or swim player. It's He's a hard-owned guy. Um, it's, he's someone that, unless you really feel like he's going to add an extra fantasy element to his game to, to really kind of push him 
statistically high when he doesn't have the good shooting nights. He, he's a hard player to, to pick in the top 100. Um, for me, you can say the same thing almost about Norman Powell, Bojan Bogdanovic, and Will Barton, where, who are players that you know he really drafted on the back end. Um, I know coaches said he's drafted Will Barton a few times before and may never want to draft him again. He's just really hard-owned. He needed to be dropped um, in the, you know, the first month of the season. I just think that's a, a failure on coach's part to kind of maybe too much faith in him and especially in the first few weeks where the free agency market is rife with bargains when you kind of see more of the allotments of minutes going to the players. Um, you see what the starting five are. You can kind of read the NBA a little bit. Um, identifying, you know, a player like Will Barden to... I think he started the season injured, maybe on the IR, so maybe that's why it kind of lasted a little bit. But um, he, he was taken in the second round pick and, you know, lasted the whole season on the team with an average of 14 is... Um, just not good enough. You don't really see other uh, teams in in any of the league if they're up the top end, um, probably carrying Will Barton uh, with such a poor average for the whole season. Um, but I mean, Larry Nance Jr. was a real disappointing one, only because of his injured. You know, he looked really good when he was was playing with the minutes. He there was you know the concern with Kevin Love and um, Andre Drummond and a few other things, but you know as Kevin Love was injured and. Drummond was out before, you know, Larry Nance really was out a couple of times. He did show if he, you know, got starters minutes. And it feels like every season he's, he's per 36 is fantastic. Um, but, you know, a 16.8 average when it ended. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's fine for your back-end draft, but it didn't really make any significant kind of impact to, to help winning. Um, and the, the last thing for, for his team is, I guess, a, a bit of a positive note was Mason Plumley at pick 98. I did think I was quite gushing at the time, um, saying, you know, his role at the... Um, even as a lot of people um, through free agency was were worried about how the, the Pistons kind of took a lot of, of big men. But um, I think if you were worried about Okafor taking minutes from Plumley, you probably haven't watched... Um, enough of Denver, I guess, in the past couple of seasons and how, how well he kind of played behind Jokic at times. So I think that was a real savvy pick that I said oh, just after draft and I'm happy to say that everything I gushed about it kind of came true. An average of 21.3 to end the season was really helpful and it's just a pity that, um, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the performance of Beal um, and then, you know, Jared Allen and Mason Plumley, which were the real, you know, positive notes, weren't enough to kind of push the the team beyond the first you know I think the the wins it might have been about three six or whatever these three you know wins definitely came very early in the <laughs> the the season and then things just got in a hole and fell into dirt so um, really unfortunate but you know as I said on notice got to change the team got to be active on free agency and then we might see an uptake. It's exciting to, to get Coach Walsh back into the playoffs because he was a stalwart as a, you know, a fixture of, um, you know, playoff activity in the first five, six years of the league. So um, we need to get back and I guess the call out is to do better next season, but um, some things are just out of control sometimes. It's all good. We'll, we'll move on to, to the next team here. Um, and I guess 
a record of three and fourteen as well. I think it is as we kind of bring up the standings. Um, very happy, I think, Coach Adam would be that he ended up getting off the bottom. Um, undercooked Gallinari um, final team name, which was setting. Oh, sorry, um, fitting for for the way it performed. I think why we had the name change from Salt and Pepper at the start, but things just couldn't get rolling um, for this team either. And it's um, it's a bit. It's a bit hard when a lot of the the stuff doesn't go your way early, but again, I don't want to have to talk too much about injuries with every single team, as you know, injuries were kind of part and parcel. I I will kind of briefly talk about them when I feel that it makes up a little bit of of the reason why you know teams performed the way they did, but just keeping in mind that injuries have been something that everyone had to kind of go through this season, especially with. Uh, the COVID-19 protocol. So I think we'll, we'll have to AGM and, and other leagues. It'll be interesting to, to get people's thoughts on how they kind of got through this season. We had the extra two IR slots, but they were purely on top of what we originally had last season for COVID use only. Um, but we do know that some teams got dicked a little bit more than others, especially um, if you had multiple guys at the same time and especially if you had... Players that got uh, coronavirus rather than just in the health and safety protocols, you know, the difference between three or four games up to, you know, eight, nine, ten was, you know, really um, pushed some players off the rail for, for longer if they took a while to kind of come back and could really hit teams um, for six at the start, especially if it was a, an important week to get wins on the board. But it's worth noting, and I will talk about it where I feel it has become a, a big issue. But yeah, it was something that everyone, uh, I think, had to, to deal with. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of proud that, you know, the way NBA kind of pushed through and we all kind of got to the end and, and fantasy felt um, relatively normal. You know, we did have to go through a few things, but overall it worked quite well, I think. Anyway, um, with with undercooked Gallinari... Um, a very interesting one on draft night was the placement of where Kevin Durant was going to go. Um, first pick at pick nine. Um, I think at the time I said I didn't have too many problems with it. I think it was either bang on or a little bit earlier to, to where I would have had him just because of the risk of coming back. I think early days we saw very much the uh, people saying, oh, well, this is why, you know, you would have taken him in the first round because he's Kevin Durant. He can score with ease. Um, and, you know, I think he was putting up a few 40-plus, you know, fantasy point games in his first few that he went back. Um, what Games where, you know, he scores, you know, 12-13 in a quarter with ease because of the way he gets to the, the free-throw line and, and just a butter mid-range shot. Um, with, you know, um, the 2020 vision, coronavirus stuff you know really derailed his season you know he had two stints in in protocol um and i'm not sure if he even like any other player did the way he did obviously he had that kind of infamous raptors game i think it was raptor yeah where he was told he wasn't allowed to start then he kind of was able to play and then they yanked him um just before halftime or after halftime um it, it became a real pain to own kevin durant uh, even with with such to the upside, and then when the hamstring injury came, it became the longer it kind of you know hang around, the more you felt that Brooklyn Nets were 
almost putting him into a position where it's, you know, we're going to build you up so you've got enough kind of runway into playoffs to, to feel confident with everything. Um, but, you know, that's where we're kind of playing. We're not caring about the fantasy uh, output of, of him for managers. And what happened was it almost became a sunk cost for the season, especially, you know, at the the time that it happened with, with such crucial um, wins needed to, to kind of have a push into to fantasy playoffs. Um, yeah, a record of of 3-14, and 14, much like... Um, the other coach Walsh was, you know, the wins came early and the wheels came off and we kind of went into the end of the season not really having um, a real crack at, at any more wins and I think maybe one only kind of came against uh, bottom as we kind of finished up. So unfortunate that Kevin Durant wasn't be able to, to come, you know, the, the fantasy player that coaches around would have, you know, liked, especially if they invested, you know, a first round pick. But this was some some of the concerns coming in and I think why um, I was much higher on his second pick in, in Ben Simmons. Um, and I think potentially this one was a little bit of an L on my behalf because I had Ben Simmons uh, ranked higher than um, Joel Embiid as we kind of came into the season. I was quite biggish about the way that he was going to... to move his game forward as, you know, I obviously thought Philly were going to be quite good, but um, I thought he was going to put up those almost Russell Westbrook <laughs> type numbers in terms of pushing his, you know, assists and rebounds um, into like, you know, triple-double averaging territory. And um, that obviously didn't happen. You know, there was games and, you know, obviously he's, you know, all, you know, defensive team NBA and potentially on the ballot, I think, for the top three for defensive player of the year. And everything kind of went well with that. I I didn't think that the shooting was going to kind of come on, but I didn't have a problem with that because I thought, uh, unlike Westbrook, he's only really going to take the, the shots that he gets in transition and being a lot more efficient. But the counting numbers, you know, weren't really there as much as I thought. The 6.9 and assists and the 7.2 rebounds are a healthy-ish when you kind of, you know, look at him, but there was the lack of, you know, real godish numbers in some weeks where he can, you know, be the best player in fantasy um, overall. And, you know, 24.3 average is is really just not what you want from someone who's your first or, or second pick and someone who I thought, you know, would have been a first-round pick if I'd got, um, you know, the right kind of one. Obviously, I, I went in a different direction. We'll, we'll talk about my team when it kind of gets to it. But, you know, Ben Simmons ended up, you know, averaging a touch less than, than Paul George, which was this coach's uh, kind of next pick in, in the draft. Um, so, you know, when you pick someone at 12 and then the person you get at 29 averages a little bit more, again, same situation as, as you know, the first coaches. It's good for that third player, but, you know, Ben Simmons just wasn't the the guy that we had, at least I had, had thought he would be. Um, and yeah, you know, he, he ended up averaging less than guys like um, DeMar DeRozan and, and Christian Wood and only, you know, a touch above um, players like Jalen Brown and, and Chris Tapps Porzingis, if you would believe it. So um, yeah, it were, again, I was I was really kind of stoked on, on the first two picks. Um you know, by by anyone, I guess, who, who got Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons in the top 12, as long as they're on the back end. But, you know, it didn't really kind of deliver the, the way you'd think. And like 
Um, the coach before us, you know, in the same vein as, as Anthony Davis, when they don't kind of deliver to top 10 um, expectations and you draft them there, it kind of puts you behind. So I guess, you know, Paul George ended up being really really good fantasy-wise, I think, you know, for, for 29. Um, oh, really good probably a stress. I think he performed what you do expect from, from Paul George. He gets a lot of hate, um, but, you know, the Clippers ended up being really good despite... Um, their result in playoffs today, um, you know, as, as finishing as the three seed and, and, you know, Kawhi had, you know, some time off there, you know, around about Paul George was, was quite healthy overall compared to, to some of the years. I think it'd be interesting actually to, to look at exactly how many games he played this season. But, you know, from memory, he was, he was, uh, you know, in and about basically everything. And it was just, you know, I think he ended up performing where he should have um, done. He played 54 games out of 72, so actually missed a, a few more than I remember. Um, but, yeah, um, when you kind of put him in, in the big kind of ranking of players, he fell, you know, exactly kind of where he, he was drafted in terms of his average um, at 29, and, and the, the the players at the top of the, the league had players that kind of outperformed their, their draft position, so... That's just kind of where it was for Paul George. Jimmy Butler was, um, I guess, a, a really good pick um, at, from from the start. He averaged twenty nine point nine, and ended up being, you know, if you take off um, Kevin Durant, um, his best player. So I guess his second best player, um, and then you know Jimmy Butler. I think a lot of people slept on him, which was weird given, um, you know, what the Miami Heat he did last season, but um, some some of the, the, the appeal of, of what he does with, you know, three-point shooting, you know, came quite obvious, but, uh, you know, let me count here, one, two, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. He was the 13th best player by average in our league uh, this year with 29.9, which I think would come as a real surprise to some people to say, you know, he averaged um, a touch less than LeBron James, who ended up being the 12th best player and a touch more than um, Rudy Gobert. I think those numbers kind of stand out um, to to people who, even coaches in the league, who, who may not have really um, realized how good Jimmy Butler was. And, and that's potentially because, you know, the Miami Heat did go through some real um, stretches where they struggled this year. And I think what, what it came down to was, you know, his counting stats across the um the box score you know he averaged 6.9 rebounds 7 point assists over two steals which is always absolute gold in fantasy but the biggest thing was you know he's he's shooting even though he's absolutely you know quite poor for an elite player in terms of three point shooting doesn't really take them he shot 7 out of uh, 14.2 attempts which is you know basically bang on 50% um so for like a, a wing scoring player who you know does score 21 points a game to shoot at 50 cent, 50% is is absolute fantasy money. So that is basically a way he got a lot of, um, you know, positives um, from his team. And things, you know, didn't go amazingly well, you know, outside of that. Unfortunately, early positive signs with CJ McCollum being, you know, absolute beasting. Um, a lot of people, you know, would have been said, on track for an all-star debut. Um, you know, he, he kind of, I think it had the 
the sprained slash fractured ankle, was it maybe? I can't remember exactly, but you know, he, he rode off basically six, seven weeks, right? He was get, you know, getting going. And, and while he, he finished, you know, all, all right, he, he wasn't as standard as he was early. And by that time, you know, coach's season was, was really on the downturn. Um, I think the James Wiseman pick, everyone was really excited about for the first two weeks. But, uh, you know, his form kind of dipped from there. We saw that he was quite raw and, you know, the Golden State kind of positioned, them, you know, themselves in, into a way of playing that kind of was was really looking at, at, at getting, you know, more input from Wiseman early and, and it worked. But as they, you know, started packing on the losses and, and try to change things up, it started to fall away. And obviously Steve Kerr, you know, pulled him from the starting lineup a little bit and then he got injured. So, you know, a couple of the positive signs that he had early really... Fell away, Bogdan Bogdanovich, I, I really liked, and, and we'll talk about him later in terms of him turning his season around, but, you know, he started very, very poorly, and I know the first game that he got injected into the starting lineup, he kind of um, fractured his patella, I think it was, and then, again, uh, you know, five, six weeks down the toilet, and the season was almost over. Miles Turner, another one who was injured, Kristaps um, Porzingis was, you know, very, very good average wise but you know there was rarely um you know strong weeks that the team could kind of bank on and say you know I won because of um big games from from Porzingis um another one that you know only played 43 games out of you know the 72 um it's just it's just not something you can rely on so he's gonna be a really interesting one draft what you know wise next year we might be seeing a little bit of play in this playoffs to, to see a little bit if Dallas keep winning. Um, but again, his average is very, very healthy. It's just he couldn't stay on the court um, and it didn't really go the way it wanted to for coach. So um, the only other thing I think worth talking about is Victor Oladipo. So I, I actually unsure if I, if I thought this pick was good or not at the, the time, but average of 19.1 isn't, Awful. Obviously, it's 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 pretty solid. But when you draft him at forty nine inside the first fifty, um, you're gonna get exposed if he doesn't play up to that level. And then obviously with the trade and the injury, this was basically a lost season for for Oladipo and um, an investment that uh, all coaches wouldn't have wanted to make in him very early in the season because it would have come back to bite them. Um, other players, you know, worth noting, Danilo Gallinari. Um, I was pretty down on him as a free agency signing, and I spoke about it on the pod. As a fantasy player, I think there was a little bit more upside, but there, there, there was a lot of questions in Atlanta, and, you know, he got hurt as well. It sounded like a broken record, but, you know, these are some of the, the, the teams that things didn't really go their way. Um, and then um, when he got back, um, he became, you know, more of a, a gunner, which we've seen, you know, him be in fantasy pass, but for, for a marquee free agency signing, I guess paid the money. You'd hope that some of the counting stats kind of came with him um, and it didn't really eventuate for him and an average of 14 really put him on the bubble and, and someone that actually, you know, did get dropped <laughs> in the end um, for, for coach. But yeah. Now, Coach Hugh was a little bit more active on the the free agency market, and um, one that was really interesting was you know the addition of Nicholas Batum 
early, um, a player that a lot of people, you know, would have thought was almost a um, RIP kind of dead in the water fantasy asset for for all leagues. I think he showed with his first game hitting a few threes and looking like a long-term starter for the Clippers. He had a lot of value there and it's, um, you know, he started all right enough to kind of keep rostering, but, you know, um, coach did hold him for the, the whole of the year, which was, which was interesting. And, you know, he finished with an average of 13, but, um, in his defense, there was, 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 you know, weeks early where he was, you know, serviceable enough to kind of hold. And by the time he kind of took a dip over the cliff, you know, the season was kind of run its course. Um, Naz Reed was in a really efficient pickup for a, a period there, especially with, um, Cat kind of missing quite a few weeks at the start, so um, I thought that was really you know savvy and, and paid off for for coach there. Um, what what it was, and I guess uh, trades are something that we're going to speak a lot more probably in the next podcast and team as we go. I think it's a real um, interesting topic for us to to touch on um, on on some of the ins and outs for for the the league this season, but. Um, you know, trading Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, was all pretty much a, a a move just to salvage something, I think, and, and getting Ricky Rubio back ended up being a pretty good move in the short term as, you know, it kind of coincided with D'Angelo Russell going down and, you know, Ricky Rubio ended up putting up, you know, okay numbers for, for a patch there. And what I, I thought was a, a real kind of savvy trade at the time, and, you know, one that I, I would have pulled the trigger on again, even with the injury, which is unfortunate, but uh, Joe Harris for John Wall, um, you know, when we, we, we saw some really um, good things from John Wall this season um, in a vacuum, you know, a couple of weeks where he could have been really good, and I'll, I'll talk to him a, a little bit later in the, the, the series of pods we're going to doing, but, you know, a finish of uh, 19.1 was was, you know, quite good. Obviously, it was just kind of staying on the court and, you know, the direction of the Houston Rockets um, was a little bit kind of all over the place and, and, you know, his season is going to be a a bit of a lost one and then next year is going to be really interesting looking at where he's drafted. Similar this year, just because, you know, the average of 19.1 is very, very healthy. Um, And Joe Harris... Um, and, you know, average fourteen point nine in the end was 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 really solid, and you know, led the league in three point um, shooting a- again. Um, it was just one of those trades. I think it was like you know, risk reward. Joe, Joe Harris is you know going to give you that you know real level kind of output um, game to game, and then kind of fluctuates where his his threes go. But you know, obviously with his percentage, it's it's usually pretty bankable. Um, but John Wall had, you know, the real upside I felt from the two and it was, was really, um, something that I'd do again. So I think, you know, both trades were, were quite, um, you know, savvy and timely for him. (laughs) There were, you know, quick additions of Dennis Smith Jr. just to see how it'd go in, um, Detroit was interesting. You know, Dwight Howard became a, a player in stretches that was good. Kenny Martin Jr., um, especially if you had him at the end of, you know, the season, which coach didn't, but I think it was, you know, savvy at the time. Um, at least he was kind of active um, going through people, but unfortunately it wasn't really anyone that stuck. And the one that did stuck for a season, Nicholas Batum, um, is probably not the one that you wanted. So unlike other teams who did kind of get 
uh, a lot of value out of the free agency market this year. Um, I don't think uh, Coach Adam here was able to capture any of that, which is unfortunate, um, and kind of spoke to you know the struggles to really get into to games um, week to week. So um, yeah, they're the two teams that we had finished bottom two, three, fourteen. So going through some of the players. Um, you know, positives from both teams to, to take away, but obviously without the wins, it's inevitable that, you know, some of the players that we speak about are, are not going to be the, the home runs this year. So, you know, um, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, uh, and Anthony Davis and Anthony Drummond um, all had uh, struggle seasons for, for one way or the other. Um in terms of my expectations, especially for Ben Simmons. So, um, uh, it's almost, uh, you know, clear that MB is going to be, you know, the, the best um, Philadelphia fantasy player, at least um, barring injury. Um, and I think that's kind of scared people away. But I I, I, I still have um, a lot of questions about Ben Simmons and his value in, in fantasy moving forward. So that's one of the ones I'd love to tackle um, post-playoffs. But, yeah, I feel pretty good about that, kind of going through 20 minutes. I, I We'll need more um, time to talk about a few of the um, other teams that have done a little bit more winning. But it's nice to kind of dip the toe back in and, and talk podcasts and talk basketball. And we'll see if we have a little bit more excitement um, with other people ju- jumping on or if it's just me. But uh, either way, it's going to be really nice to, to talk fantasy outside of some of the other um, basketball playoff things going on at the moment. So there's plenty of um, news and podcasts and everything to get your your daily um, playoff stuff, but we're here to talk fantasy and, and I can help you give everything that, that you need from, from fantasy basketball, even as the seasons come to an end. So if you're like me, we're already excited. We're already looking towards um, you know, the 2021-22 season and getting back, um, trying to get the championship that's eluded myself and, and many coaches out there for a few years. So um, hope you enjoyed it. And this will be part one of a few series as we go through all players and we'll knock them out as we go. So thanks again and, and tune in to the next one. It's always a pleasure to have you. My name's Simon Harris, and I'll catch you next time.